You have reached Pod Level Midnight, a conversation show about sports, movies, and whatever else we find along the way. I'm your host, Josiah Dury. Let's go. All right, we're here as it's as it is mid-April and we're getting towards the NBA playoffs. The Timberwolves will have a play-in game tonight on Tuesday the 12th. And joining me is one of the one of the key cogs in what makes Minnesota sports events happen, Barry Howell, who drives for the uh, for Minnesota coach um, buses and oversees a lot of the transportation and stuff for teams coming in and out, um, specifically for NBA games. So Barry is inside and um, kind of on the front lines for most uh, Timberwolves games as well as the game tonight. So Barry, welcome. Glad to be here. Fun to talk a little hoops, especially yeah. fun to have a relevant game when the regular season schedule has ended. Yeah, I remember I was actually at the game a couple of years ago that was kind of the unofficial play in game before they had the, the play in. The, the Houston Nuggets. debacle? No, the, oh, Nuggets the Nuggets one to get into the Houston oh, yeah. series. So yep, they had the game it. 82, which was a win and end situ- situation. Yep. So that was exciting. But then, of course, yeah, the Houston series was not, not the best. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I was there for both those games. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the uh, the Houston game was, yeah, that was over quick. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to the game kind of later on, but I want to ask you just because you you just came from, um, from shoot around with the Clippers this afternoon, driving them into the stadium and back. What's the what's the vibe like? What are the what's the anticipa- anticipation like downtown um, at Target Center for the game tonight? Well, it's pretty interesting. It's a TNT broadcast, so the inside of the arena was kind of in turmoil with mm. different TV trucks and all kinds of stuff happening. But both teams, I think, view this game as a it's a not not a do or die game for either team. I think both teams feel like they're better than the 9-10 teams. They're better than New Orleans. They're better than San Antonio. So whichever team doesn't advance after tonight, I don't think they're going to be in great despair. I think they feel confident that they can knock down a win in the second round if they need to. Big advantage to win the first game and then just be done with it and just go play play Memphis because obviously the ultimate survivor on the other side of the bracket has to play Phoenix – and that is a little taller task, I would think most people would agree. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch it tonight. Yeah. Kevin Harlan on the call. So that'll be good. A Minnesota voice back um, for the game tonight on TNT. And you'll be there um, with what should be a, an exciting atmosphere at Target Center. But we've been wanting to talk about the Timberwolves kind of for a couple of months here as we've been getting ready for or for the playoff run and what has been a really exciting season. So I'm glad to have you on. I want to just talk about kind of what this season has been like. You know, it, in some ways it all boils down to one game or maybe two games here in the play-in, but it's been a really exciting season feeling that, like the Timberwolves are back and relevant and, you know, winning 46 games in the regular season is, is a huge jump from 23 last year. They doubled their win total. So for you as someone that's in the arena almost every night, what has been just the change in the atmosphere of games at Target Center as well as the kind of, you know, um, energy of the team and stuff this year, as opposed to the last few years? Well, the big difference, and it really happened mid season last year when they made the coaching change, which was necessary. And when they brought in a coach 
who clearly just immediately brought a different sort of administrative vibe to the organization. He stabilized things and the immediate thing that I saw, even though we couldn't watch the games in the stadium last year because of the stupid bubble and then the no fans, you know, in the arena, um, I was still there. I was still hearing what was going on and watching at a monitor in the back, you know, off the TV truck instead of being in the arena with fans like we normally always have been and are finally back to. And what I observed right away even watching those games in the second half of the season was we finally had a coach who was willing to hold every player on the team accountable. It didn't matter if you were the best player or the last guy on the bench. If you went out and you turned the ball over a couple of times or you made a couple of bad shots or you just kind of lost your mind and forgot to play defense, boom, you're out. <laughs> and that is a big, big change. And I think previous coaches um, had a tendency to go back to Thibodeau, who just played his horses, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, he, he ran with them all the time. And Ryan was trying to find different pieces and I think was getting the right idea. But I just don't think he quite – he commanded the overall respect of the team enough. Or I think he just got out coached by more vet, veteran-experienced coaches. So what I have observed is a team that the second half of last season suddenly started playing like competitive basketball. And even though D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns rarely got to play together last year, because remember – one was hurt and COVID and this and that. So those two guys didn't get much of a chance to gel. Anthony Edwards just exploded onto the scene last year. And, and by halfway through the season, everybody pretty much realized, yep, the Timberwolves did not make a mistake with right. that number one pick, right? And so then watching him start to emerge and start to do some amazing things on the court, more offensively than defensively last season, um, it was like, wow, there's, as you said, we're building something. There's some momentum here. Now, coming into this season, it was weird because, you know, again, you won 23 games and there wasn't an expert you could find that had them winning more than maybe 10 more games at the most. This was a 30-win pegged team by pretty much everybody. All right, well, season starts. You know, they win a few, they lose a few, but they're really competitive. And all of a sudden this gel starts happening and Patrick Beverly, you know, had arrived on the scene and he, he made an immediate impact in terms of just, he is the soul of this team right now. Uh, he's super fun to watch. I'm anxious tonight to see how they man up on Chris Paul. What do they do? Do they put Edwards on him? Do they switch between Edwards and Beverly? I'm not, I'm not quite sure what their plan is going to be because for tonight's game, it's all about, you know, he's the one guy you got to control, right? And it's going to be interesting to just see how this team approaches it. But fast forward to halfway through the season and the observation I made, and, I, and it, it has actually started coming out with a lot of sports broadcasters talking about the Timberwolves. They truly are a team. And I see this backstage when they're arriving for the games, when they're leaving after the games and they're walking by us and fist bumping everybody and, you know, whatever. They literally like each other. They mm -hmm. play for each other they encourage each other i watch i've observed numerous games where you know like beverly and delo are are out for an injury or just are sitting for whatever reason and these guys are um immediately they're as engaged on the bench even though they're not dressed for the game than they would be if they're playing and i've never seen that before 
So this is a team that up and down the bench, they truly like each other. They really like pulling for each other. Uh, it's been fun to see, like, you know, D'Angelo Russell has kind of become an oddly steadying calm in the storm sometimes where, you know, he'll go and grab Beverly or Towns or Edwards and kind of walk them away from an official before they get a technical, although most of the time they do anyway. <laughs> um, we're going to get a little too good at that. But that's my big observation. This is yeah. a team that enjoys playing together, and I think they really truly believe that there's something. And Beverly is like, you know, but did you hear his comment the other day when they played horrible the one night and then they played great the next night one? And some of the reporter asked him, what's the difference between last night and tonight? He goes, I played tonight. I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to love that attitude, yeah. right? That swagger. So I think it's exciting because I think they truly believe they can stay on the court with anybody. They don't feel like the team that is just going to get totally whooped around by a superior team. I don't know how deep they could go, but it wouldn't shock me if they win a series or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if they get matched up with with Memphis. They've played them well all season. So there's so much to talk about with this team because, I mean, I want to just talk about Towns, and we'll get to him, I'm sure, because he's had the best season of his career. He's going to be all NBA, everything. But one of the things that I think has been cool to see, the reason that they're maybe taking a step further this season than we expected was some of these contributors like, I mean, trading for Beverly, but then like a Vanderbilt um, you have yep. like a Noel or someone or a McLaughlin that will come in off the bench. Um, the emergence of McDaniels as well. And the, I just don't think that as Timberwolves fans for a long time, we haven't often seen like players develop, especially players that are kind of signed off of, you know, undrafted or right. signed off the street. And then a guy like Vanderbilt come in and be such a key contributor and, you know, a defensive force, a rebounding force in that starting lineup. So he's someone that wasn't even, I remember people were begging the Timberwolves to even sign him. Um, I think it was before last season. So I think, you know, Rosas is obviously gone now, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for the roster being what it is. And the way that, you know, you and I were talking after the trade deadline about, you know, we like that they didn't make any huge moves right now. Cause they've got a lot of pieces right. here that are going to continue to grow and get better as well. Well, and I think the thing you add to that is the fact that, one of the biggest strengths of this team as they match up with a lot of other teams is their bench. I mean, their five guys that come off the bench are, it's not a huge decline in effort or in output. In fact, if anything, I mean, look at when they've, they've kind of got into an offensive funk and all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, uh, McLaughlin and, uh, Beasley get out on the court mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, he's feeding Beasley into that corner and hitting that three from that left corner that he likes. And it amazes me that defenses let him just stand there. Um, you know, it just, it's incredible because, and part of it is Beasley has one of the quickest releases on that three point shot. You know, a lot of guys really like towns kind of has to be set and launch it, but boy, Beasley just boom, gets it. It's a catch and throw. And he just seems really comfortable with that. So the bench is a huge asset to this team. And I think it's an underrated component of this because you get so fixated with, like you say, Carl Anthony Towns, all the NBA and, and Anthony Edwards, who's just an emerging superstar and D'Lo that's just steady and, you know, doing fine. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to, it's easy to forget about that next tier of guys who frankly, in many cases, not only hold their own, but actually help the Timberwolves climb back into some games especially when we get foul troubles again, because of our propensity to draw technical fouls of late. Uh, well, that's what we've been at this season thing, but I think that comes with a young team 
that doesn't know how to be good yet. And I think that that swagger is hard for them to sometimes control. And, you know, I mean, the, the technical Beverly got near the end of the game the other night, that was 100% emotion because he had been called for a foul at the other end of the court, which got overturned. Then he comes in and scores a great basket with all the effort in the world. And then he kind of pops off to the ref, basically saying, how do you like that? Kind of the Kirk Cousins, how do you like that? Maybe kind of thing. But, you know, it was sort of that sort of moment, but he bumped the ref while he did it. Boom. Instant technical. So it's like, you know, that kind of stuff you can't do in the playoffs. You just can't do it. And, but I think when teams, when Timberwolves teams in the past have maybe been a little bit more like apathetic, I think we would rather have this than, than that as far as caring too much rather than caring too little at times about, you know, winning or whatever it may be, but they do let the rest get in their head sometimes. I agree. But it's also been fun because this coach has a way of this coach has a way of, of, you know, controlling that whole thing. So. Yeah. So let me, let's take a couple of minutes to talk about towns because he's had an unbelievable season and I think he's someone that nationally has been kind of overlooked for, for a few years, had some obviously really hard times with, um, with COVID and with everything else going on in his family, as well as injuries the last couple of seasons. And he's really come on this season with a, a career year, probably I would say one of the 10 best players in the NBA this season um, overall mm-hmm. with, I'd agree. you know, and he's going to make an all NBA team, which is going to be big for contract stuff too. But what are your thoughts on just uh, just his play? Let me let me pull up his numbers because I was looking at especially the percentages are just just crazy. So twenty four point six points per game, and he's had a few huge ones. Um, had the sixty point game. Um, that's fifty eight percent from from the floor. He's shooting forty percent from three, and won the three point contest. All that other stuff. So I think finally kind of becoming what we all thought that he could be as far as offensively, and then still taking that responsibility on defense, not being the, not the reason the Timberwolves have a good defense, but also not holding them back either. Well, I, and I think he has, and I, and again, I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff that is allowing him and is shaping him into the player that he needs to be. And I think in the past, he maybe tried to do too many things because maybe he didn't feel like he had enough supporting pieces. And now all of a sudden, I think they are allowing him to, be okay with the fact that he doesn't need to run the, he doesn't need to run. He was running like a point guard sometimes mm-hmm. the last two years, right? Cause he's like trying to get somebody to cut, do a back or, you know, cutter or something. And now all of a sudden it's just like, he's comfortable being where he should be and driving into the paint and hanging in there. And, you know, his offensive rebounds are just, uh, boy, he just physically destroys so many people in those offensive rebounds, which, is a big element of the game. And I think the other thing is, I think, I, I think Patrick Beverly has helped him more than any player in this team. Cause I think he has encouraged him to play with the confidence that he deserves to play with. And, um, you know, I remember early on this season being at a game, being really close to the court, you know, and, you know, towns just destroyed somebody on an offensive, you know, post up and just, you know, went over two people and flattened them both on the court and Beverly went over and grabbed him by the shoulders and just shook him. And he goes, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and I, I just think that he's been encouraging him to be a player at that caliber and to be physical and to be emotional. Having said that, it's the innocence project of the NBA. You know, not very many NBA players ever think they're guilty of a foul. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I think that Towns 
has gotten at times better about that, but in the last stretch run, it seems like he's getting, he's falling back a little bit into that every time he's called with a foul. He had a couple of games there after he, remember that one game where he loaded up, got a couple of technicals and, you know, they, 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 he, he kind of did the smile thing for a couple of games, but that's sort of wearing off. And he's an emotional player. I get that, but he's got to control that. Cause like I said, you know, maybe not so much in this initial playing game, but you know, if you're playing Memphis or if you're playing Phoenix, you cannot afford to have technical fouls. You just can't give those points away, not to mention put the team at risk when foul trouble, which to this team's credit, we, we've, we've pushed the edges of the envelope on foul trouble, but it hasn't really been horrible because again, I think Finch is good about pulling those guys out because of the bench strength, right? Yep. And you can, I mean, we've had games where it's like, man, when was the last time Towns and Edwards and Delo were even in this game? You kind of forget they're on the team. You know, I mean, he'll run almost a quarter sometimes with those guys on the bench. But he plays it smart because having watched this Timberwolves team, and I think I've been driving the NBA about seven years, we were that team that was always competitive through three quarters, it seemed. We were the team that the good teams pulled away from in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, we're the team that sometimes is pulling away and beating good teams by 20 points. Fans don't know what to do with themselves. No, you've been you've been at games, and you know people are like, "What are we supposed to do? I, how are we supposed to act? We don't. We're not used to this." So it's an adjustment for me. Yeah, but Towns, definitely. Towns. I will say this: Towns from behind the ropes is one of the most considerate and gentle human beings on the planet. He makes a point of fist bumping every worker down the hallway as he's walking out to his car after a game. I mean, every arena worker that's making 12 bucks an hour and everybody he sees big smile, appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. And I really, really like that about this team. There's a lot of guys that are like that, but Towns is top shelf. His dad comes to a lot of games, hangs around back time. We talked to his dad a lot and they're just, you can see they're a tight family and he's just kind of doing things the right way. He never gets in trouble. You know, it's, which is kind of refreshing and mm -hmm. it's just, he's a solid guy. So it's exciting to see the way that he has emerged. Now, can that translate into him carrying this team deep in the playoffs? I think it could because he's a, he's no longer a surprise to anybody. Yes. And if he, if he gets going and, you know, again, and, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of, I'm torn on trying to decide who the key ingredient is for this team in the playoffs. Because I think you could make a case for the spirit of Beverly, the sheer talent and will of Towns, the explosive craziness of Anthony Edwards. D'Lo could just show up and, you know, throw up 26, 28 and just dominate. And when he gets hot, nobody's better. But unfortunately with D'Lo, his whole career has been super hot or super cold. Mm -hmm. There's no in between with that guy. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And as fans, we're Minnesota fans. We're not exactly ready to make room on our shelf for the trophy quite yet. Yes. Right. We're just assuming we're going to get beat. That's just the way we're conditioned. This team, however, gives us reason. As you said, when you go from 23 to 46 wins, um, that's pretty good, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like really good. And, and there's no reason to think this team's going to regress. I mean, it's the, the, they're young, they're developing. Again, you made a great point. We're watching guys that, you know, we're kind of scrappy pickups, really, in some ways that we're really emerging into really, really solid, talented players. So 
it'll be interesting to see. That's for sure. But we'll see. I, I do think the Timberwolves and the Clippers are the two best teams <laughs> in the bracket. So let's hope they both survive and make it into the tourney, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. On towns, I think it's, you mentioned him just, you know, off the court and being a great face of the franchise. I think that that's been the case for a few years and it's, it's really exciting to see the kind of the on-court play now kind of live up to that and him to be able to actually carry this team somewhere. You know, we had the Jimmy Butler year, but that had a lot of other factors going into it. So right. he's really the biggest reason um, that the Timberwolves are where they are right now. Edwards, you know, continuing to emerge, but hasn't really quite made that leap yet. Um, but we've seen the flashes and we know it's coming, whether it's next year or the following year. So yeah, very excited about that. I, as I'm looking at the town's stats, I'm very curious to see what they do in the playoffs as far as his three point attempts. Cause he's, he's averaging 4.9 per game. And I feel like that could just be higher. So I wonder if it'll depend on matchups, but I wonder if, you know, they'll kind of feed him a little bit more, um, just because knowing he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, not even as a big man, but just as any player. And, you know, that can be a key to to winning. But we've seen him also really be able to score both in the post, but also driving and some of his finishes, especially that, you know, the game when he dropped 60, where he's, he's floating it off the glass, he's finishing yeah. off balance and stuff. It's not just him getting in and dunking like, you know, like an old DeAndre Jordan or something, but he's making tough shots. And I think he he does get a tough whistle sometimes, especially on the offensive end. Um, He needs to control that, but he gets called for more offensive fouls than any other big man in the league by far, which is partially his fault. And partially, I think a little bit of an unfair whistle. So um, yeah, but he's the key for sure. Um, But it's great to have more options than just that, you know, whether it's Edwards can take over a game, Russell, um, even when Beasley gets hot, stuff like that. So. Well, look at it this way, this team, if you looked at, if you looked at at replays of, and I, I actually ran across a YouTube clip of a Timberwolves game about five years ago, and the immediate difference I noticed, Towns was there, but I realized how little this team had a tendency, at least with Thibodeau, we didn't really move the ball around a lot. It was one pass and somebody drives or shoots or Jimmy Butler tries to do something or whatever. <laughs> and I love this team because this team, sometimes it's like watching – you know, and this isn't a, a knock at all, but sometimes it's like watching women's basketball because they're they're patient enough to go pass, 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 which is the entire WNBA game, right? It's it, if you want to see ball movement, go to the WNBA mm-hmm. game because nobody does it better. And accurate, crisp passes. This team does that a lot, and all that does is give you, you ultimately you get a mismatch somewhere. And when you've got the number of players, as you mentioned, Beasley, Edwards, Towns, D'Angelo Russell, that are all so good from three-point land at times, those guys are going to get their shot once in a while. So, yeah, it, matchups are going to be everything. Um, I, I, you know, I heard from one of my inside guys today that you know Finchie kind of told the team today that again, we're 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 prepared. <laughs> we're going to go out against the Clippers. We're trying to win this thing, but if we don't, it's not devastating. We live to see another day, you know, we'll go get this thing, but let's play well and, you know, leave it. It's not leaving anything on the court. I mean, and that's what I'm expecting to see. And what I, the biggest observation is the fans, the buzz in the arena. And again, if you transported in time from four or five years ago, 
and all of a sudden came to Target Center for the first time, and all of a sudden the lights go out and the glow sticks are there, or the you know all the hype and the stuff and the crunch on the ladder and the the, the hype level is like legit. And the fans have that energy. And I love, as we talked about, I love that stand until we score thing that they started after the all-star break. And um, that's been a good thing. Other arenas do it, I know, but that's been a nice extra little vibe for this fan base. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how the fans react to this because again, this is kind of, this is virgin territory for a lot of fans. Yeah. Yeah. When the, when the team's good, I know that, you know, Minneapolis and Minnesota as a whole, show up for for good basketball so that's going to be exciting for and it already has been this season but for this run one other thing i wanted to mention on this team is as you talk about the offense and the ball movement and stuff they've had the number one offense in the nba since i believe it's since new year's day since the start of 2022 and i'm looking at the game log right now the last time that they scored under 100 points in a game was february 16th against toronto and i was actually at that game so that's unfortunate for me but um, they've been scoring in and mostly in one twenties and one thirties in regulation. So they can, they can put up points like nobody else in the NBA. And, you know, it's tough to translate that into the playoffs a lot of time because the game slows down defense, you know, picks up all that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, but they've been legitimately one of, if not the best offense in the NBA over the last half of the season or so. Well, and I'm anxious to see who the officiating crew is tonight, because that's the, that's one of the things in the NBA that people don't realize how big a difference different crews, how they can call it. You know, it's like baseball umpires, right? And they all have a little different strike zone a little bit. Well, depending on the crew that calls the game, that can have little influence. And in the playoffs, you tend to have some quicker whistles early or you get crews that kind of let the guys just air it out and play. So It'll be, you'll know in the first four minutes of the game. I can tell at. you right now who it is. It's, it's Scott Foster, Ed Malloy, and Tom Washington. Hmm. So <laughs> I'll probably have to see them. Sure. I'll have to see them by face to know what my take is on them. Cause yeah, I kind of recognize a lot of the crews. Scott Foster's got a bit of a reputation. So we'll see. Hopefully. Yep, I know the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he likes to be kind of in the moment too. Yeah. And of course, this is a, you know, these are big games because the viewership is skyrockets, you know, for the NBA and the NBA face it, it attracts stars like no other major league, major sport. And I think it's a combination of the fact that it's such an intimate game that, you know, what other sport can you literally sit two feet from the athlete with nothing between you and the court, mm-hmm. right? And those front row seats and those people and that lower tier and the whole lower bowl, you know, you know, if you scream out there, those guys can hear you. And I hear some of the responses from players back to some fans that are turtling at them a little bit. Um, Let's just say sometimes the language gets a little dicey (laughs) in the player reaction response, but it's an intimate game. And when you have a team that's doing something if you're a celebrity, you want to be seen there. It's a place to be seen. And I've witnessed that this year where all of a sudden it's every game, there's notable celebrities Mm -hmm. now at every game that, you know, that show up on the, you know, on the big board and, you know, Carlos Santana was in town the other night and he comes to a game. And of course, you know, we've got Vikings players and it was cool when we saw, you know, Connell and Quasi show up to a game together and the, you know, and they're up in a suite and they get up on the screen and everybody cheers with Viking sidebar, I'm thinking to myself, I don't ever believe I ever remember 
uh, Spielman and Zimmer ever being in public together anywhere. I don't think they were out. In, yeah, they aren't out right. in the town together too much. Right, let alone in casual clothes, you know, drinking a beer <laughs> at a Timberwolves game and then, you know, the fans cheering for him on the big board. But so I think that's needed. I think the when people ask me what I think about the whole A-Rod influence of the ownership change, it's a culture change. It's a yep. culture difference. They actually, just last this last week, they painted the hallway this is really insider information here. Mm-hmm. The hallway that the locker rooms are in, the walls have been white, floors white, ceilings been white forever. Now the walls are black. And now the, the neon around the locker room entrance is just kind of are vibrant and really pop. And it's really cool. It's a, it's more of an entertainment venue feel. And I think that's the A-Rod Mark Lurie influence of everything's got to kick up a notch. The food that they serve internally for those of us that are inside the stadium and some of the workers and so on is unbelievable. It's, it's an Andrew Zimmer uh, led group of chefs that put these meals on for us. And it's like, it used to just be, yeah, they gave us food, but now it's like these high end fancy, fancy dinners that we are. And that's all the new ownership. I think bringing that sort of, we got to you know step up our game. So uh, do people ask me all the time, do I think the Timberwolves are going to move or are they going to just pluck this team and move them? I don't think so, because to your point, this is enough of a basketball town that you give people a reason to support this team and they will, you know, it is a build it and they will come. We probably will end up with a new stadium, you know, and that just seems to be par for the course. But improving the product on the court and, of course, you know, as you know, A-Rod's been to a lot of games and he's very visible and he's jumping in his private jet and flying on the road, you know, yeah, Mark Lohr too. Mark Lohr has been really cool yep. to see um, his interactions and stuff and just his energy. And I know he'll put out on Twitter every once in a while, like a little contest and bring some fans to sit courtside right. with him, you know, some random fans yep. and stuff. So I got to try yep. to win that one of these days, but yeah, yeah I love well, the energy I see, they're bringing. I see, and I see both of those guys around the arena and they're interacting with fans and they're not acting like any big aloof, you know, hot shots. I mean, they're, they're really enjoying this. And I think they see themselves. Why wouldn't you want to build a franchise in this town? Because I think people will, will gravitate to this. So, you know, and I don't think that if, if this team loses and doesn't even make it in out of the plan, I don't think anybody's going to say, well, the season was a disaster. Mm-hmm. It, Cause it hasn't been, it's been unbelievably great. It's just a question of how much greater can it potentially be? Yeah. And, and I, looking at the top two seeds in the, in the West this season, you got Phoenix, you got Memphis, and I'm not saying the Timberwolves are going to be there next year, but both teams who in the last two years, Phoenix, the bubble year made that run in yeah. the bubble, didn't make the playoffs. Memphis last year was in the playing yeah. tournament and made the, the playoffs. And then both kind of had an ascension the following year. So, you know, you're setting up for, to build, you know, more than just a seven, eight seed, um, keeping this, this young core together. And then, Oh, you know, totally this is, you know, step by step, you know, you got to have that experience and then potentially rise up the following year. Well, and it's, it's interesting because when you have players that are obvious and vocal about why they want to play in this team, that's huge. I mean, that's, this wasn't a team that players were begging to come to. Right. And I think there's enough people around the league that see this as a pretty cool group of guys. So I think I that's the what... Anthony Edwards effect a lot because he's just such a personality and everything he does is it becomes a catchphrase and has made it kind of, it's, he's made it cool to be here, you know, bringing the wolves back. He's made it 
made it a cool atmosphere to be part of along with, of course, all the other great players, but I think he's yep. kind of came on as a new face of the, you know, going to be one of the faces of the NBA in a couple of years here, but already a big personality. Well, big personality. And, you know, I, I love the fact that for as much confidence and swagger as he demonstrates on the court, he holds himself accountable. And when the coach tells him, you know what, you got to work in your defense, he doesn't argue. He doesn't kick back. He's like, yeah, coach is right. You know, and he seems to be a coachable superstar in the making, which is pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, it, you know, and, and it, you've been in the arena when he lands a dunk, it is electrifying. Even if I mean, it doesn't dunk, count like that one against Miami. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. And his dunks, it doesn't even, he doesn't do cheap dunks. You know, I mean, every dunk he has is spectacular. So I think it's pretty fun to, you know, to watch him. I'm waiting for him to do a, a Jordan-esque takeoff at the free throw lane. <laughs> I think he could do it. There's no question in my mind. So we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very fun, you know, fun to see this team in the playoffs at whatever level and for however long they exist and they make it. But I think this season, whenever it ends, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit like the NFL where I think people are going to be as excited about next season right away at the end of this season, yeah. like never before, like really never before. We yeah. kind of were hopeful at the end of last season, but we didn't really know what we had. No. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording about just liking the play-in tournament as a whole. And, we, yeah. you know, I'll say, like, like you said, if, if worse comes to worse and somehow, I don't think this will happen, but if the Wolves do, you know, lose two games and end up not making the tournament itself, you still get, you know, we've had a team that a couple of years ago made the playoffs and got, you know, eliminated in five by the number one seed, never really had a chance. So you have here, you have a do or die game, you know, game seven type atmosphere in one game tonight. And then you have that again in, you know, on Friday, if they have to play again, and that's just something you can't necessarily recreate in a first round series for, you know, even if the stakes are lower, you know, against a, a one or two seed. So I think that the, you know, the excitement that that brings is, is worth it, even though, I will say the Wolves are in the have kind of gotten the raw end of the deal on the play in so far with having a record that's much closer to six than it is to nine um, mm-hmm. with, you know, being only a game out. And then they've got about 10 games on the, on the teams that would have originally not made the playoffs. So, but they get a chance to prove it and it'll be a, a great atmosphere, you know, for that having it at home, especially. Well, and I think so the um, it'll be interesting to see. And again, with a late game like that, what I like about it is it lets the whole rush hour thing settle down a little downtown. So by the time we're down there transporting the team into the arena and getting ready for the game, virtually all the buzz downtown is going to be, this is, this is the game of the, you know, this is a huge, huge deal. And I saw it today. I saw, boy, I saw more people walk around Timberwolves stuff on, you know, downtown at, you know, 10 o'clock this morning than I've ever seen. So that's encouraging. And I'm sure they'll have a nice crowd. And I know I saw they had towels laid out on every seat in the lower bowl. So they're upper, the lower two bowls rather. So that yeah, should be pretty fun. Too bad you're not coming down for the game. I know maybe, maybe once we get into the, the actual playoffs, we'll see, but yeah, I'll, let's, bring, uh, you in. I'll bring you in as a driver recruit. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to ask if you do like job shadows. Cause I could just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been known to uh, to bring somebody in now and then under the sure. auspices of potential training. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's oh, and I'm excited to be in there. And 
yeah, we'll see how the game goes. But, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, well, I mean, let's put it this way. If we'd have had this podcast at the end of last season and you'd have said, do you think this team's capable of winning, you know, more than 40 games? Being above 500 even, yeah. I'd have laughed you off. The, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? Who are you talking? You know, we only won 23 games. We're not going to win 40 games. That just This is the NBA. It just doesn't happen like that, at least not to – a team like us, it's getting used to getting beaten around. So what a great, and, and the thing about it is they won 46 and there's three or four games, you know, that you don't have to think very hard about that. They lost in heartbreaking fashion. They could have been a 50 win team. Well, yeah, they had a Easily. week and a half to two weeks stretch too, where they were playing the G league roster basically because of COVID too. Um, right. Early in yep. December or whenever that was. Yep. So, yep. And they went like one and five or something in that stretch. So let me right. ask you this before we go. You've been, you know, driving closely with coaches, players. Every, you've seen pretty much every team in the league. I'm sure there's some stories you can't tell, but is there anything interesting that you've um, come across that you want to, that you can share with the with the people about interactions with with the teams or just what that's like to be in the on the bus with them? Yeah, it's it's interesting because to a large degree, it's, this is their job. This is business as usual for these guys. Um, the reaction of the players on the buses after a game, you'd not, you can never tell if they won or lost. Now, maybe it'll be different in a playoff environment, but generally speaking, you know, they, they're, it's, it's all business, right? They're very cordial. Um, it is, however, fun to hear some of the interactions and just some of the you know, the coaches recapping in their own minds what just happened or um, a lot of times it's immediately looking forward because for those that don't know, during the regular season, almost every team after the game is taken to the airport to fly to the next city they play in or to go back home if they're going to be at home in two days. And the grind of that travel, because some of these teams are on three, four, five game road trips and the amount of gear they travel with, you know, the logistics are a huge part of it. What I enjoy more than anything, yeah, I enjoy being around the guys. And if you'd have told me several years ago, I'd be driving NBA teams and literally have met every NBA star coach, had them right in my bus, fist bumped them, shook their hands. I mean, it's like the whole thing, right? I, I like, how is, that, how is that even possible? <laughs> but what's interesting is they, to a, to a fault, the big thing I guess I've watched is they all know that this is a results oriented league. And I kind of have seen coaches who I know are kind of on the hot seat and you can sense the pressure that they're under, you know, when they lose another game and, you know, you just, I, I, sometimes I wonder when they're sitting there in their front, in the front seat of the coach going to the airport, are they looking at their phone wondering if they're going to get the tweet that, you know, they just got canned. I mean, it's, it's real, you know, the pressure is real. And that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, and now having said that I've had times where, you know, like one time it was the game before Valentine's day and LeBron James came out of the hotel and he handed me a bag and he said, dude, he said, can you put this somewhere? So, you know, with this Gucci bag, right. But this other bag, he said, I'm bringing some wine home for Valentine's day. So I just need these, I can't let these bottles break. And so, and I'm thinking to myself, he probably didn't go to Trader Joe's and get the seven ninety nine <laughs> bottle of rosé, right? So who knows how much he spent on this wine he was bringing home. So there I was with LeBron James' personal bag and his, his, his bag with these bottles of wine to, 
you know, get back safely you know, to him so he could carry it on the plane to fly afterwards. And so that was kind of fun. And, wow. um, and it's fun to watch the fact that when I watch a game now on TV, um, those random faces of people you see walking by and, you know, when they're interviewing people at the end of a half or before a game, it's like, I know a lot of those people because they're the security guys or the equipment guys. And it's kind of fun to know, Hey, there's, there's, you know, there's Travis, there's Joe, there's somebody I know it's, so that's pretty fun. But I would say that the, the, the coolest thing has been the fact that these players genuinely appreciate the guys that do what I do, mm-hmm. guys and girls that, that drive them around. I, I will say that my one story, um, and it, it was the, it was the, how I don't want to get on sports center night. I picked up the golden state warriors. I had about one thirty in the morning in December, the year that they had only lost like one game at that point, which by the way, the Timberwolves did beat them in that mm-hmm. game. Um, but it was a snowy, miserable night. It was one of those Saturdays where, it rained and sleeted and snowed and then snowed a bunch more. And it, the roads were treacherous. They were horrible. And of course the guys got off the plane and they're, they're making snowballs. They're throwing snowballs at each other. And the coaches are kind of chirping at them because they probably don't need somebody blowing out a knee, yeah. you know, in a snowball fight in the airport. But as I got in the coach and we started driving, I was the player bus and I had a second bus doing the media. You know, as I get on cross down there, going to 35W, I see like three or four cars spin out in front of me, right? They're just going into the ditch left and right. I'm taking it real easy. You know, these are 55,000 pound motor coaches. You've got eight wheels on the ground. You've got, you've got width, you've got weight, you know, and I'm clearly taking it easy. But as I'm driving up 35W and I feel my drive tires kind of kick a couple of times, you know, with the, the bad, the traction issues, you know, with the bad weather, I'm thinking to myself, what am I driving? Like $180 million in payroll or whatever, right? And I do not want to slide into a barrier on a bridge and be on SportsCenter, you know, Warriors and icy crash, you know? <laughs> so that was, that was kind of a white knuckle. That was a very, very a slow, lot of pressure. long yeah, really a lot of pressure. And, you know, I try not to think about it, but it is, it is, it kind of comes with the territory, but it's been fun to get, to meet these guys over the years and to see some of their personal interactions and, you know, to, to watch how the visiting players and the Timberwolves players are hugging it out in the, you know, in the lobby or in the lobby in the backstage where our buses are parked, you know, afterwards, because you know, there's a lot of camaraderie in the, in the league where, you know, you'll see them trading jerseys and, you know, who gets to see that, right? Mm-hmm. So they never want to trade jerseys with me, but <laughs> I guess I, I better have one in case somebody ever does. Yeah. So you didn't uh, overhear anything from Ty Lu like about their defensive scheme for tonight, how they're going to cover towns, anything like that you want to share? No, no, I was, I was hoping that they'd leave their little, uh, their little cheat sheet on the coach, yeah. you know, because actually I've actually seen some of those pregame write-ups and they are fascinating Yeah. Uh, because Anybody who thinks that this is a game where they just send five guys out there to dribble around and that there's no, Oh, it's unbelievable. The amount of structure that those guys have, but yeah, I don't know. Ty did not share any of that with me. I, you probably knew it. I might be doing a podcast today. So you probably <laughs> thought, ah, but no, they're, they're pretty secretive about all their stuff, but you know, we'll see what happens after yeah. tip off. Right. Well, and he's so, he's such a good, I think he's one of the best coaches in the league and especially in game. So that's one of the things, you know, with one game to prepare, I think that more than, you know, the Clippers have a lot of talent too, but more than anything, I think the advantage of what Ty Lue can throw at you, not that Finch, you know, is overmatched or anything, but I just think Ty Lue is that good of a coach. So it'll be interesting to see well, what he's, they do tonight. He's one of the best. 
he's been the mo- one of the most ba- uh, the best, most effective mm-hmm. in-game transition and adjustment coaches. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, he'll he'll scrap a defensive strategy two series into a game, and all of a sudden, whoa, what what are they doing? And so, yeah, he's he's pretty quick on the trigger that way. But you know, again, it's like this is for all the marbles now, so it's pretty fun, pretty exciting to see. Yeah. So, absolutely. Well, hopefully, you'll be. Uh... So I guess the Clippers, maybe they, their plane doesn't know where it's going yet until after this game, huh? Right. They do not know. That's correct. Interesting. Yeah. So hopefully you'll be driving yep. them to, well, I guess they'll yep. be going back home because they'd be playing at home either way. Um, yeah. And, and what's fun is that um, that's true. They just don't know who they'll play next. Right. Um, and what's interesting is for us, um, I've already gotten potential travel orders for both Spurs and the Pelicans. If they're coming in. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So it's kind of funny, all those things that are going on that, you know, the average fan just has no clue how that all sort of works. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Delta Delta is scrambling to figure out how they're going to handle all the planes, but any event, it should be exciting. Yep. And, Hopefully the uh, next flight will be the wolves heading to Memphis. That's what I'd say. Yep. So, so what's your prediction on the game tonight? Put you on the record. Oh, right man. <laughs> and actually that way you can go back and edit it later. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll put two different ones in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I do think that the Wolves have proven over the course of this season that they are not only one of the two best teams in this, in, you know, in this play-in, but the the best team. So the pressure will be on them, and the Clippers are an experienced team. And like I said, I think Ty Lue is is very good. But if the Wolves play as they as they are capable of, and I do think that the target center home court advantage is going to swing things in their favor. So I am predicting the Timberwolves win. And of course, that's that's hopeful on my part too. But I would love to see them play Memphis <laughs> rather than Phoenix. Yeah. So that's, well, that's we, a big part of it. I think yeah. that they know that too. Like like you said, it's not do or die tonight because you have another chance. But I think it does make yeah. a big difference. Yep, I agree, and I would agree with that take. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. Is I think that they are very very capable of winning. You know, neither team is going to blow the other team out in this game. There's no question about that. It's going to be a close game. And, you know, uh, if you don't watch anything, you might want to tune in about the last five minutes of this game because that's probably when it's all going to get decided. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably be uh, pretty comfortable watching the whole thing. So, yeah, you've got, you've got some of the best seats in the house. So thank you for your time. Enjoy the game tonight. And, yeah, look forward to, you know, I'm sure you'll snap me a picture at around tip-off with the atmosphere in the sold-out arena. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, that'll be great. All right, right. let's do this again. Yes, we will. Thank you, Barry. Yep. See ya. Okay, well, let's see what we got for you. Uh, We've written a song uh, that we like to call Round Ball Rock. Now, it started as one of uh, David's poems here, but then it just grew into something bigger than both of us could ever imagine. Uh, It's me on keys and Dave singing. Can you believe this is our job? (laughs) All right, fire away. All right, ready to do this? Yes, I am. All right, two, three, four. Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna dunk it! Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna dunk it! Basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna